I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Hello, Lewis. How are you? Uh, Daniel, I'm well. How the hell are you? I'm really, I'm really good. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling tired, but I'm, I'm good otherwise. I'm tired because, bit of personal news, today mm-hmm. I mailed the last ever Joke Keeper billboard sticker pack out. Hey! 480 sticker packs have been mailed out to people who paid 100 bucks uh, to get them. Uh, um, but as a result, Lewis, I've actually got quite a few stickers left over. I, I thought I under-ordered, so I did an extra order and then I end up with about, about 100 more stickers per sticker that I actually ordered. So uh, if you want a pack of these $150 valued sticker packs, hang around at the end of the podcast and I'll tell you how to get them at a massive discount. Wow. Lewis, do you have, do you, I, live, I haven't even sent you these. Uh, no, I've got, what have I got? I've got um, these Irrational Fear um, QR codes. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, you, they're not in functioning anymore, obviously, but um, all QR codes are done now. If you, if, you, if you scan that, that actually exports your entire browser data to Twitter. Uh, so <laughs> uh, everyone can see everything you've ever downloaded. It's great. Oh, great. The billboard stuff is continuing. I've spent the last bit of money on some billboards around Cook, which is Scott mm-hmm. Morrison's seat. Uh, so I've got a few bit of artwork going. I'm going to show you some of the artwork now. This is uh, a classic. Let's have a look here. Oh, yes, Hawaiian Hideaway for w- when things get too hot at home. Bushfire sale now on. That's going up. Mm-hmm. Then we've got this one. Visit the old growth stumps of Tasmania. Uh, it's a, just a beautiful oh, bit of artwork in a classic 1960s US national parks kind of style. Who did that art? That's beautiful. Her name is Tanya. She's from Tasmania. She's a Tasmanian artist. She actually did a cracking job on this, like so good. Like it's it's beautiful. Mm. Someone gave a huge donation to Joke Keeper and they wanted one particularly around the jobs of the future. Um, so I've designed this one to go up, which is, in 2035, Cassie will be qualified to put former politicians in jail for historical climate crimes. And it's got this picture <laughs> of this cute little girl in a, in a graduation outfit and it says, climate prosecutor is one of the one million new Australian jobs for, in a fossil fuel-free future. 
Yeah, well, she looks about six, which is probably uh, if Scott Morrison's kind of uh, child slavery plans stay on track, <laughs> she could just hop straight into the court right now. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that a little later on right now. I'm recording my end of a rational fear on Gadigal land in the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair and Section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, Victoria Health calls a code brown on Scott Morrison's press conferences and the Prime Minister asks the states to let kids drive forklifts in order to give George Christensen something to do. And Joss Whedon turns out to be an even bigger shit than Justice League. It's the 21st of January 2022 and there's a high-pressure system of breakfast television asking, should we change the date of Australia Day that could last all week? This is... (laughs) Irrational Fear! Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former chairman of Credit Suisse, Dan Illich. And this is the podcast that vaccinates your brain once a week to make you impervious to scary news stories for at least seven days. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. First, did you know that Australian TV comedy shows have a diversity problem? 90% of the head writers are straight white men and 90% of those are James Colley. From 81% of the comedy shows that are on TV, it's James Colley. Hello, Dan. I'll always be from Irrational Fear. This is why I have made a push to be the official prodigal son of Irrational Fear. Uh, As you've got it in the name tonight. Thank you, James. I do appreciate that. And when she's not being an ARIA award-winning musical comedian, she's busy being an ARIA award-winning data point on Facebook. It's the ARIA award-winning Bridie Connell. <laughs> Thank you for using my full title. Hello. <laughs> now you're there's a little bit of a delay, but I assume that's because you're beaming to us from New Zealand, the place where there is no COVID, where you can go to the shops and you know see your friends and put on comedy shows. Unfortunately, no COVID, but also no friends. So oh. real, real tough spot that I'm in here. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm actually very popular, so I'm doing fine. Brady, how long have you been there? I feel like your accent's gotten stronger since I saw you last. As soon as I have, like, one conversation with my dad, it comes back fairly quickly, to be and honest. I have to say, I've been <laughs> listening to your podcast with James Colley and I, there was the listening back to it, I'm like, hang on a second, Bridie Connell all of a sudden sounds like she's from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> my true identity has finally been revealed. We're pushing for a lot of international funding. <laughs> Yeah, Anzac code switching. It's very impressive. <laughs> very good. Thanks very so good. much. And it's a man so tall that HR is required to hire a forklift to have a face-to-face conversation with him. It's Lewis Hopper. <laughs> yes, Dan. I can finally um, get those six-year-olds on the end of a fork and raise them up to my level. <laughs> Here is a message from this week's sponsor. Triple J is hottest 100. Hey, Veronica Milsom here to remind you that you've only got two days left to submit your favourite years for the hottest 100. Now, with over 2,000 years to choose from, we want to know which year you think will come out on top as the hottest year ever. Yeah, I thought 1989 was pretty hot. No, no, it's not when you were last hot, the temperature of Earth. Oh, gosh, it's got to be 2007. That's the year I was born and my mum was in labour for, like, four hours and that was hot. Yeah, okay, I can understand from a friction perspective, but once again... 
We're talking about the Earth's temperature. Did you know the hottest year was actually 1890 and the Earth's been getting colder every year since? I'm sorry, is this Senator Malcolm Roberts? No, it's Senator Malcolm Roberts. He's on the ABC. Get ready for the most predictable countdown most of the world is ignoring. The hottest 100 years ever. Spoiler alert, it was last year. It's always the last year. <laughs> always uh, good to have friends of the show on. Uh, Veronica Milsom there. Are you excited, Lewis, for Hottest 100 week for you? I mean, it's like, busy I, uh, as, it's, yeah. it's like Christmas for Triple J presenters. It is, yeah. It's really busy. Obviously, um, it's always nice for Christmas not to be riddled with disease. Um, <laughs> usually the most fun part of the Hottest 100 are people having parties. And um, really the only parties people are having now are um, people who are triple vax trying to deliberately get COVID so that they have the extra <laughs> immunity. Uh, so it is a bit of a sombre affair. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there'll still be plenty of people who listen to the Hottest 100 who will be getting absolutely shit-faced with a 1,000 people and it will make me very nervous. <laughs> yeah, get shit-faced on Twitch. That's the uh, that's the aim of the game. <laughs> this week's first fear on Thursday, Scott Morrison, which should be pointed out despite everything, is still Prime Minister of Australia, floated the <laughs> idea that 16-year-old children should be able to operate forklifts as a way to solve some of the supply chain problems that Australia is facing due to adults being sick from COVID-19. But no sooner had Scott Morrison raised the idea by the afternoon, it was lowered again by by some adults in the National Cabinet. Fearmongers, is this a good idea, letting 16-year-olds drive something that, according to the unions, causes one in six workplace deaths? Uh, Bridie? Well, look, it, it was not the news I was expecting uh, today. Like, I, I knew that the Liberal Party is big on, like, old-fashioned conservative values. I just didn't know that, like, child labour was one of them. Um, I kind of feel excited for them because if this is a value like with the current climate the way it is there's not a lot of chimneys and therefore not a lot of chimney sweeps so I'm like this is cute maybe this will lead to our first like little Mary Poppins moment we can have an adorable chorus line of like kids on forklifts I think the choreographic opportunities with this news are huge so I'm this, all for it. The Premier that would be most up for it would surely be Dominic Perrottet. I mean, he's got seven forklift drivers ready to go. <laughs> A whole fleet. <laughs> this is exactly how Tiny Tim got his crutch too. So we, we're building up for next Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, this does feel like um, a, bu- a bunch of schools are going to be really excitedly um, doing modern adaptations of Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like this plan. I know this is controversial, but I really like this for two reasons. One of which is uh, I have an eight-week-old and babies are expensive, so get a job. Honestly, <laughs> I spent $100 at Big W today. Do you know how hard it is to spend? Do you know how many, like... A hundred muscle shirts made by other children. I would have to buy to make up a hundred dollars <laughs> at Big W on my own. I was going to say, if you're buying a hundred dollars worth of merch, you need a forklift to get that hundred dollars worth of stuff to the exactly. car. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Get a job. Stop. Stop living off my dime. And also, more importantly, because I have an eight-year-old, I've been stuck inside for about eight weeks, and I need more TikTok content. So yes, give every sixteen-year-old a forklift. <laughs> Let's get this thing humming. <laughs> Like I have a three-year-old nephew and he loves trucks. Like he would be so keen for this. If I told him that he could drive a forklift, he would do it for free. He can't technically hold a fork yet, but I reckon he's about ready. (laughs) But this is what I'm worried about, Lewis, because three-year-olds love trucks, but 
it makes this whole policy makes me think that they came up with it the government while playing with Tonka trucks, like, <laughs> fun, let's do this, which would explain why they like coal mining so much. But I'm like, should no, 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 let's not be playing with Tonka trucks. Let's be consulting with experts and, and reading official documents, please. Yeah, their next, the, their next plan the, is going to be like, we're going to build um, a bunch of commuter car parks and we've found there's some really good uh, infrastructure material. It's called <laughs> Lego and uh, we think it's going to really go well. <laughs> It's remarkable to me that what we've learned over the last couple of years is that the global supply chain can be stopped by a boat that gets very stuck when it absolutely should not be stuck or just not enough teenagers to operate heavy machinery. (laughs) How fragile is this thing? You know, one of the most concerning parts of this news story to me, apart from the child labour laws and the death and all the, you know, all the, yeah, is that I just had a flashback to when I was 16 and I told a boy at school school that I could drive a forklift because I thought it would impress him, which it did, <laughs> Still does. but it Still was does. a lie. <laughs> but how's he going to prove it? He's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I've got a forklift at home. We, no one can drive it. Get over here, Brady. <laughs> yeah, she gave me a PJ, a pallet jack. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the best pun on Twitter I saw with this was um, uh, a university professor saying the whole idea was unpalatable. And I was like, yes, well done. Well done. I'll, I'll pay that. I'll pay that pun. I enjoyed that. How do we make that person do physical labour? <laughs> I do think it would stimulate um, the economy in a lot of ways. Like I think not only uh, is it just good to get uh, kids into highly, highly dangerous trades as soon as possible, but I think um, there are a lot of offshoots that we haven't considered yet. Like you got to think that Dare Ice Coffee will be bringing stuff out in kid size, <laughs> um, like kid size pack of Winnie Blues. They're going to start flying off the shelves. Like this is going to stimulate the economy from the ground up. Crown would have to change their 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 jingle. There is nothing like Crown from picking them up and putting them down after a snack. You know, to have a you know have a sleep. <laughs> that would be. yeah, put them down for a little nap. Yeah, I actually worked at like fifteen and sixteen. I worked in the back docks of a Toys R Us, and can I say it was already it was already horribly horribly mismanaged. It was our system at the time was you climb up on the racks and someone will throw the scooters <laughs> up to you and you try and catch them. I would say the last thing we need. We last thing at least we need got some of those um, long hands grabbers that you could reach down. <laughs> I love the reaction on Twitter to some of this. Um, a lot of a lot of folks are saying this is a bit of a distraction from everything that's going on in terms of. No, uh, yeah, no. well, yeah. D- uh, Dr. Vion Sharma uh, said this. He said, "Some days you drop the dead cat; other days you are the dead cat." And I think that's a really beautiful <laughs> summation of that. I don't know if, like, I, I worry that I don't know if you can still be calling this distractions because, like, it's like if Sideshow Bob gets up to the 14th rake and you're saying, well, that's just distracting from the first 13 <laughs> rakes. Like, at some point you're just tremendously shit at what it is you're supposed to be doing and you keep fucking up. And the fact that time is linear makes every new event seems like a distraction from the past one. There, there is also an element to this because it's like, oh, we've run out of rat tests. Why have we run out of rats? Oh, we've run out of rats because we don't have enough forklift drivers. Okay, the forklift drivers will be 16 oh no wait that's gonna call it. it's to me this feels like bringing in the cane toads 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's like I've come up with a solution and that solution ends up being far worse than the original problem. We are running out of 16-year-old shop rate the forklifts, but we are also cancelling sex ed to create more teen pregnancy so we can get more 16-year-olds <laughs> as soon as possible. Yes, that's and kind I, of thinking we love. And I love this from Mark Humphreys on Twitter when he wrote, um, at this point we're going to learn that the government has, hasn't ordered enough forklifts. <laughs> <laughs> like 10,000 spoons and all you need is a forklift. Can you imagine how great it would be, though, to rock up to your year 10 formal in a forklift, two boys on each fork? It would be a king of the school. Of course I can imagine it. That's why I told that stupid lie in 2007, James. Irrational fear. We have been working to reduce the regulatory requirements. There are changes that we need to make around um, the age of forklift drivers to get quite specific. Your fear is rational. This week's second fear, Boris Johnson is on the ropes again. Ever since Boris Johnson took over the office of Prime Minister from Theresa May, we've read it for about three years that his time as Prime Minister will be over. But because of this whole debacle around the Christmas party in Downing Street, it could possibly be over. I mean, Labor leader uh, Keir Starmer had very strong words about Boris Johnson. He said he broke the law and he lied. But if that happened in Australia, you'd be gifted a portfolio with more responsibility. James, is his whole career over? What do you think? Well, I, I don't think his career is over because this is a man who has made a career out of failing upwards. So they'll take him out of this and he'll end up king somehow. <laughs> but this is, does seem like a worry because they had leaked. Part of the story of this was, uh, quote, Operation Save Big Dog, which is the best <laughs> name I've ever heard for any political communication. Operation Save Big Dog was the plan to find a series of people that he could throw under the bus before him to slow the bus down just enough that he would survive. It sounds like a GoFundMe for a pet. (laughs) (laughs) No, it sounds like that person in high school who really desperately wants a nickname. So it was like, yeah, everyone's calling me Big Dog now. (laughs) Yeah, promise they are. Operation Safe Big Dog was when SEAL Team 6 murdered Clifford. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Operation Big Dog sounds like the sequel to Operation Dumbo Drop. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A timely reference there. Thank you. (laughs) 1995, it was a a wild time. One of my favourite parts of the outrage for this, because it's very funny. So this all started when they had a party as the farewell for the now deputy editor of The Sun before The Sun broke the story without revealing that it was the deputy editor, which took a little while to come out because you think he could have mentioned that at the all head. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. I, I know a weird amount about this party because, frankly, it was my party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved in, in the traditional way that any British outrage goes, it eventually comes back to, will this offend the Queen? And in this, the angle is, it was just days before Prince Philip's funeral, which is weird. Like, it was just days before Prince Philip's funeral and she was harried with grief and busy asking her, her son, seriously, are you a pedophile? Seriously, though, because it's stacking up. Are you? Are you, though? <laughs> oh, man. Can yeah. you imagine Christmas at the Royals this year? It would have been extremely awkward all, all year round. Oh, yeah. You know, like you've got Philip's gone, Andrew's in trouble, the Queen is already dead, but they've got big sunglasses on her and no one is allowed to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. Weekend at Lizzie's, that's what's going on there. <laughs> 
Yeah, but she starts drinking at like 9 a.m. And and you've always sort of been like, why does she do that? But what, the more you find out about the family, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? I'd be pounding a gin at nine if my uh, if I was a pedophile in my family that I'd been hiding for decades. 100%. Oh, jeez. So do you think Bojo's going to go, James? Is, is Bojo, is this the last door for Bojo? I think it kind, of, it kind of has to be, but then who's in the bench here? Who wasn't at this party? Like part of the joy of this was denying the party and then leaking of the press conference you had at the party addressing how inappropriate the party was going to be, the footage of someone bringing drinks into the place, like short of photos of Boris Johnson in a party hat blowing on one of those little... I don't know what else they need from this. <laughs> it's interesting too because I reckon... I think if the party was just objectively awesome in Australia, we'd be like, yeah, man, three more years. That was a fucking sick party. But (laughs) just the description of like just platters of sandwiches, it sounds like a terrible time. Like people are just, (laughs) some of them are in the garden. Like if you're going to lose your job over a party, at least make it a really epic one. That's a real tragedy here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to be doing coke off the treasurer's chest. That's what you want to be doing. Yeah, you want it to be like the Barbella Christmas party of uh, <laughs> yeah. 2018. I am shocked and disgusted that there was cocaine at a media party. Yeah. I am sickened by this, and I will never trust it. This might be a bit inside school for folks to listen to the podcast. But Bumbrella, big trade rag that talks about the media all the time, put out a put out a blog post this week saying, "Yes, I'm letting people know that uh, there was cocaine at the Christmas party last year." Uh, and we we want to get ahead of the story as a not ca- even last year, like four years ago. Oh, was it four years ago? I thought it was like it in was, December. No, no, it was ages ago. Oh my <laughs> god! So this it, <laughs> it's up. honestly like it's so der- it's like saying there were chips at the McDonald's birthday. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, was, it was such an insanely unnecessary post. You're like. What were you afraid of? That like other journalists would go and go like, did you hear that there was like drug yeah. at the Christmas party? I, they're busy snorting up at the Walkley. Yeah, I have I got off for drugs at the 2006 Logies. Maybe I should talk to somebody at Channel 10. <laughs> yeah, I think the real problem with this is there's still a media organisation that can afford cocaine. <laughs> Irrational fear. More than 800 police officers are in isolation tonight because of critical shortages of rapid antigen tests. Some police stations have actually been forced to close and some local areas have been left without a local response. Your fear is rational. This week's third fear. Craig Kelly is up in Google and Facebook's face this week for removing United Australia Party ads from their platforms. Now, some of the ads that UAP put up were quite sensational. They make outrageous claims that aren't based in truth. You know, stuff like Craig Kelly and Clive Palmer would be good politicians. You know, stuff like that. Uh, And please vote for them. You know, stuff that everybody knows knows isn't true. There's also a bunch of stuff that got taken down that were all COVID conspiracies. Now, out of the 57 ads that have been running on YouTube, only four got taken down after they had been running for a week and they'd been seen by millions and millions of people. Uh, It seems to be kind of almost pointless to even like, like why even complain that four ads got removed out of 57 uh, and millions of people already seen your ads. But what's interesting is the media is kind of focusing on this moment of the ads being pulled, but right down the bottom of all these articles has like the number 
has has the money kind of spent by UAP on these ads? And I just want to share these these numbers for with you. Apparently, ninety percent of all political advertising on YouTube is done by the United Australia Party. The next is done by by Labor. Now, the United Australia Party spends four point nine million dollars on YouTube ads, and guess how much Labor has spent? Lewis, do you know how much Labor would have spent? Fifty grand. It's close. Ninety grand. Like they really? spent ninety thousand dollars <laughs> compared to four point nine million dollars. <laughs> wow! Isn't that just crazy? And here's the here's the thing. Here's the strange thing. Like there has been several bits of legislation to stop lying in political advertising go in front of this government for the last ten years, but everyone in the coalition has voted against it. So it's actually not illegal to lie in political advertising. That sounds healthy. You're not even allowed to lie about like the shake weight. But you're oh, not yeah. going to lie about fucking policy. If you say that your spray and wipe kills 100% of germs, they're going to kick down your fucking door. <laughs> you're like, do you know what? Drink it and it will cure COVID. That's cool. That's right. <laughs> James, I forget, you are the head writer of, of Gruen Transfer, so you would know all of this kind of minutiae, right? Uh, well, these ads are fascinating for us because they're, they're pre-roll ads, and pre-roll ads traditionally you have five seconds to win your audience's attention, and it famously takes Craig Kelly seven seconds for his mouth to register that his brain is asking him to talk. <laughs> we, are, we are dealing, as we described him on the weekly, we are dealing with the MP most likely to run into a, a wall with a tunnel painted on top of it. He is truly <laughs> the stupidest person in parliament and that is grading on a curve. Like it is remarkable that this man is able to upload anything onto YouTube. But these ads go for so long and say so little <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're amazing. and But I've got to say, if you're on YouTube and you want to find a Craig Kelly video, the gold standard is when he is in his private apart, like private home uh, quarantining for two weeks to enter Canberra. So instead he sets up the red end sign on the fence behind him, which means he is a boat, and he sits there and he bounces a ball against a wall like he's in the Shawshank fucking redemption. <laughs> I think wow. I remember saying that, yeah. But there's just so many other crazy things that he says in his YouTube ads. Like there is like a Chinese Air Force base in Western Australia and there's a whole bunch of other kind of conspiracies like this. But they don't get to down, but the COVID stuff gets taken down because it's it's kind of against Facebook and Google's um, policy to not spread a misinformation about COVID. Well, there's a very interesting part of this, which is that like they have a three strike policy. They have right. a three strike policy, which is you should be banned for 90 days after your third strike. But Craig Kelly has had say six of his videos brought down at once. But that counts as one strike because they were all brought down together. So it's like if you were like, well, technically I was on a crime spree. So that should only count as one scratch against my record. And that ties into something that I found funny about this reporting of this story. It's just a little semantic detail, but in a lot of the articles about this, it's like Google says it's doing all it can to take these ads down. And I'm like, are you though? Like... I'm just weighed down by this $4.9 million. Get all this money off me and then I can take them off the internet. I think it's so interesting, though, that you can actually put out political advertising and you can you can line it. Like you, anyone could publish an ad saying that Scott Morrison is a good bloke who never lies and you would never go to jail for that. Like you could even say Barnaby Joyce is a family man who has the interests of farmers at heart and he could even touch you for defamation. Like you could, you could spread so many lies with political advertising. <laughs> Perhaps some of those products that we mentioned before that want 
to spread some lies about how effective their sprays are at killing germs should just become a political party and keep their ads the same, and then they'll have no ramification. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think Bridie's really onto something. I would love to see companies turning into political parties to sort of both maybe get elected, but also just sell products. Like if you were just, imagine seeing a political ad that was like, vote Windex. Yeah. Don't smash the glass ceiling, clean it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would vote for Crazy John. I mean, he looks like Craig <laughs> Kelly. Like Crazy John mobile phones could easily run for parliament. It'd be great. This is another <laughs> blisteringly topical reference. <laughs> <laughs> it is a worry to me, though, that... Like even some of the cartoon spokespeople for many products that I can think of, I would prefer to be leading the country. That, that's a sad time. Yeah. Yeah, I worry that the only people who would do it would be Jim's mowing and Dick Smith. Irrational <laughs> <laughs> fear. Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked, the podcast that's lifting the veil on... Chinese Communist Party created COVID-19. This is a rational fear. A little while back, I was um, going, I was deleting a bunch of shit from something. I found this old irrational fear joke from, um, from before Scott Morrison was Prime Minister, years and years before Scott Morrison was Prime Minister. Uh, it was a website that, um, well, I was about to say we created, Dan created. Um, which was the Scott Morrison excuse generator. Oh, I remember <laughs> writing that exact page. Yeah. yeah. And that was, I, at the t- I remember like thinking at the time, I was like, no one knows who this Scott Morrison guy is. I'm not sure this joke's going to fly. But it would, if we kept that up, it would be crushing right now. <laughs> is, is it still up? Did you, did you find it? Bring it back. I, I don't think it is. I seem to remember, I think the link was broken when I saw it. Oh, yeah, it was like 2014. All the jokes were incredibly racist. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the irrational fear kind of physical stunts we've done, I, I, you know, the, like in the real world stuff, I do, I do enjoy a good website or a good, um, or a good billboard, as you know. But the thing that I loved the most was the, was the phone number, was the who the fuck is Prime Minister phone number, which had the talking clock, um, which could tell you who was Prime Minister at that exact point in time because it had a great bit of code that, you, oh. that would connect to the Wikipedia that would automatically change as soon as the Wikipedia entry for Australian Prime Minister was changed. So I remember on election <laughs> night just calling it, hoping to hear it change over. And then, of course, Scott Morrison won, so it was kind of pointless. <laughs> I, I miss the days where uh, we managed to convince Clive Palmer that we had just found a garbage bag full of the exact number of votes that he was missing yes. <laughs> to win the election. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. We should, we should definitely... The prodigal son. He's back, baby. We unfortunately have to postpone our Opera House show so for our 10-year anniversary. But I tell you what, we should probably do like a, a definite full retrospective kind of show uh, in the next few months before the election just to kind of reminisce about all, if not just to uh, be lazy and not write any new jokes, just to replay the old ones. <laughs> To play the last thousand years of liberal darkness. <laughs> uh, I was going to play a vid- an old, old Irrational Fear video with James Colley, um, but uh, I thought I'd just hold, I'll I'll hold off. Ooh, now I'm curious. So am I. So hang on a second. I'll, we'll play. <laughs> the suspense. Yeah, I'm really curious about this. Oh, boy. Oh, I mean, oh, I'm trying to political think comedy is known for ageing well. So Collie came to me ages ago and said, "Oh, can can I be an intern on Irrational Fear?" This is when I was like writing Irrational Fear out of my out of my kitchen, and, and I at said, the "Yeah, time, sure." I think, James, you just done a, a bullshit degree in um, 
astrophysics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, let's focus on something challenging. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I kind of, I kind of wanted to go to King's Cross and um, and interview people in King's Cross about, um, you know, this is when King's Cross was like raging and there were so many drunk people in King's Cross and this is the, like before the lockout laws happened and the whole premise of it was to, to ask the people of King's Cross to solve big problems. And looking back at it, it's so, it feels so ancient. Like it feels like a thousand years ago. So you, what you need to understand is these people have just come from a Mumbrella after party. <laughs> so this is the first one of the first ever videos we ever made for Rational Fear. I'm on the microphone interviewing drunk people, and James, you are filming. Uh, as we go, why don't we play "Hang on a Sec"? If anyone wants to stop this, as we go, just say "Hang on a Sec." Here we go. Rational Fear. So how do we fix King Cross? Fix King Cross. Cross is full of dickheads. How do you fix that? Well, you can't really. It's the Australian culture. You go, you get drunk, you become a dickhead. I'll tell you the problem. Hang on a sec. The problem is. <laughs> They yeah. did find a way to fix it. <laughs> they shut it all down. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, that was the solution. And housing prices went up. Everyone's on just drugs. I'm not going to lie, everyone's on drugs. You just got to get peace and love. Any other suggestions? Um, just honestly kick every violent person out of King's Cross. Sam Dark because he's a wombat. <laughs> Is there a problem with alcohol in King's Cross? Uh, nah, man, alcohol nah. problem, I don't believe in it because guess what? I'm alcoholic myself. So let me ask you a question. How do we fix global warming? Turn off your heaters. Is the carbon tax got to do with that? Is that about saving carbon or something? Less mobile phones, cars, all that shit. Go back to old school, just walking and that. We'll get pyramids out of here, bro. Even it. buses, mate. No more buses, nothing. Continue shuffling. No, no, we're, we're not the problem. Other China and India are the problems. We level that shit up. Oh, I think we fist go warming by stopping the whaling. The whaling is a problem! Disease. I don't believe in it. Well, actually, I'll do it because fucking Julia Gillard is a fucking bitch. Uh, I don't believe in global warming. Why not? Uh, you can't prove it right now. Am I, are we warming up? No, because we're not. I'm pretty fucking cold. It's cold tonight. It's cold tonight. There's no global warming tonight. No, if there was global warming, it would be fucking warm. I'll take my shirt off right now. Take it off. I'll take it off. Come on. It's global warming. Everyone's like, it comes Hang in stages. Hang on a stage. sec. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Just because I just need just two seconds to not hear these men. Oh, all of these men now, I promise you, have high-profile corporate jobs oh, in Sydney, for without, sure. Without a doubt, and they still believe oh. the same thing. Yeah, they're selling the properties in Potts Point that have gone up 200% because they shut down fun in the cross. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we interviewed the cast of Sydney Lux Listings. I'm pretty sure that's who we interviewed. <laughs> yeah, those, those two bled out guys who were like, nah, it's just China and India. You're like, those were the people at COP26 representing Australia. <laughs> I'm too fucked, man. Make the ice caps melt. What do you reckon? Because if frozen ice melts... It cools down the rest of the earth. What do you reckon? Nah. Well, nah. maybe just get Gillard out of government, maybe. That might help. That's a big one. Get, get Gillard, Gillard out, out of government. government. Global warming. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about global warming. We're getting pizzas. You want a pizza? What about gay marriage? <laughs> gay marriage. Personally, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I'm not against uh, gays, but gay marriage is fucking a bit too fucked wrong, up. Mate. How are you going to get a kid up. out of the, the guys? Yeah, how are you going to get a kid out here? of guys? Right. 
Very disappointed in Stuart Lee on the left. <laughs> but I'm no big. Gays have civil unions already, so it's exactly the same rights as gay, or like men and women marriages. Why do they have to have the same as us? Kind of like black people. Well, no, not kind of like black people, because marriage is traditional. You can't go against tradition. That's what I'm saying. Like slavery. Not against slavery, no. Slavery is pretty traditional. It's traditional, but it's wrong. Like, gay marriage is cool, man, because everyone says God is like, oh, I made marriage and shit, but God did not make marriage. It's a man-made thing, man. I'm fucked, but... You know what? The world is progressive. You know, 50 years ago, they had no women voting. I'm pretty sure it's a lie. I made that up in the spot. But, but, but... Didn't even look good together. Now, look at, look at him. Women are voting. Women are marrying. Men are marrying. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. If two males, like, if they want to get down to business by a dick and ass, this, that, it's up to them. Fuck oh, that fuck shit. Man, fuck bro. Bro, we're not gay, but fuck you, Kat. You're gay. I'm against it because it's against my religion. <laughs> oh. What about if it wasn't your religion? If it wasn't my religion? What if you had a, if you had a different religion? Well, we wouldn't have a problem with it. He's actually gay. That's why he's a bit sensitive about it. Fuck you in this toilet. Just that, all right? You shut up. <laughs> Oh, those are the days. Salad days on a rational fear. Twenty twelve. The only thing that I uh, like that that was a brief reprieve from that frankly horrifying couple of minutes of all just spent there <laughs> was the guy who was like, "Fuck climate change, let's get pizzas." Which I reckon, <laughs> as a policy slogan, I would vote for that party every time. Sadly, they were coal-fired pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for Irrational Fear. Big thank you to James Colley, uh, Bridie Connell and Lewis Hobart. Now, James and Bridie, you guys have got a brand new podcast that you, uh, you, you want to plug on the show? We do. Two best friends who decided to start a podcast. We thought it's never been done before. (laughs) Yeah, if you enjoy political satire, you're going to love us pouring through the horrible (laughs) Vanity albums of B-list celebrities in Vanity Project. Yes, it's a very fun time and there are a surprising amount of Vanity albums out there. So we are having a great old time going through them and it's been really fun so far. Who have you done so far? Uh, well, I've been listening to the Paris Hilton episode that you guys did with Beck Shaw, and I have to say, every time you play a song, I simultaneously uh, get annoyed when you cut it off and start talking because I'm like, hang on a second, that was actually pretty good. What's going on there? Paris Hilton, she's, she's, a, she's a superstar waiting to have it. Truly, it's been my favourite album that we've covered so far. I I can tell you our next album up is Steven Seagal's Songs from the Crystal Cave and you will not have that feeling. (laughs) Wow. wow. Your, like, life will flash before your eyes if you listen to this album. (laughs) And the name of the podcast is Vanity Project, is it? Vanity Project, yes. Yeah. You can listen to it wherever you get podcasts. Big thank you also to Road Mics, the Bertha Foundation, and our Patreon supporters, as well as Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline. Now, we had a whole stack of people sign up to Patreon from last week, so big thank you to people um, signing up. Sarah Brennan, Chris Brooks, Elaine Van Bergen, Lucy M, Peter Clayton, Pavel Zelensky, uh, Roz Quirk, Sean McQueen, Abdul Yusuf, and Matt Best. You all are the best. So please, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to patreon.com forward slash a 
Irrational Fear. And if you want some Joke Keeper stickers, for the first people to sign up to the $14 a month level, I'll send you out a sticker pack with all of the Joke Keeper stickers I can muster. So please do sign up uh, and I'll shoot you out uh, a Joke Keeper sticker pack. I noticed um, uh, Peter Lawler on the on the text has already said, uh, free Joke Keeper billboards, count me in. Well, Peter, I've already sent him uh, an envelope. It's on the way, Peter. It's going out to you. It's going out already. It's going to break the back of your postie. <laughs> <laughs> Not if it's a tiny child in a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to plug before we go, Lewis? No, nothing for me, Dan. I've got some vintage Irrational Fear sticker packs here, so sign uh, <laughs> up. <laughs> James Colley's holding up a poster that, that says, Tony Abbott, bad Irrational Fear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take ten. Uh, we zinged him. We zinged him out of office. <laughs> well, that is it. That is it for the show. Big thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. And you know what? You know, maybe we'll just, re- rather than do like a, a long retrospective, we should just play a little bit of something from old days once once an episode or something like that. That's fun. Oh, I'd love to be edited out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.